Hola. Hello. Bienvenidos a Enredo. A podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. This is Monica. And this is Paula. Welcome to Entre Dos. A podcast about raising bilingual children. We talk in the show a lot about exposure to the minority language and how crucial it is in the development of bilingual children. And while this is a given, in some circumstances, it can be challenging for parents trying to teach their children a minority language in English-dominant countries like the U.S. I recently felt this pressure when Soe started in an English-only kindergarten program. I worried that we had focused too much on her Spanish development, which would not be valued in her new school setting, and wondered if that would affect her in any way. So far, my worries have been completely unfounded. She's doing fine. And I should know better, but that feeling of swimming against the current is always there. Today's guest, Dr. Melissa Baralt, is an associate professor of applied psycholinguistics at Florida International University. She has focused a big part of her academic work on empowering parents to pass on their heritage language to their children. It's why she created Hablame Bebe, Talk to Me Baby, a app aimed at helping Hispanic parents foster their children's language development. We spoke to her about how the app came about and what parents can do to help their children develop language. At FIU, I really have a foot in STEM and a foot in humanities. And I think that that kind of cross-discipline approach to what I do very much told, led to the journey of how Abla came to be. So on my humanities side, I'm a teacher trainer. And I have the, frankly, privilege of serving teachers and helping them develop a teaching philosophy. I work mostly with teachers who teach Spanish. So what does it mean to um, have a role in helping a young adult or a young child, even pre-K, acquire another language? How do you do a lesson plan? How do we design communicative tasks? And then in my STEM side, I research the brain effects of bilingualism. So psycholinguistically, how does second language acquisition happen? What are our environmental um, factors or classroom-based factors? Melissa's work on a funded study that looks at the cognitive effects of bilingualism in preterm-born children also paved the way for the creation of the app. Sure enough, we are seeing that bilingualism gives preterm-born children an edge when it comes to executive functioning. So I'm, I continue to work with teachers and I continue to do this study um, with my colleague Ashley. And the, the prematurity study, we've been doing this... Um, We started out looking at behavioral tasks. We recently added a brain imaging component to this study. And so seeing that even though they, on average, were born about a week earlier and were sicker babies, they weighed less, the, the bilingual Hispanic children have better executive function than the monolingual children. That said, every single Hispanic parent in that study told me that they had been recommended by a pediatrician and or a teacher to stop using Spanish at home with their child, presumably because of the child's history of a preterm birth. So um, hearing these mother's stories 
And then my work in the Center for Children and Families, because I, I do home visitation and intervention for children who are greatly at risk for language delays, really with the mission of um, helping and supporting mothers to use their home language, whether that's Spanish or Creole or Portuguese. And continuing to hear stories of from these families that they um, had been recommended to either not use their home language, especially if there is a, like I said, history of preterm birth or a risk or presence of a developmental delay. And I would also see that um, watching and interacting with, with caregivers and young babies, when caregivers do not use their their maternal language with their infants or young children. That language input to children, that rich syntactic complexity that's so critical for language growth is just not present. It's like, it's a very simplified language. And we would see this reflected in these children's language measures as well. These observations came into play when Melissa submitted an idea to a challenge by the Health Resources and Services Administration, an agency of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The agency asked researchers, educators, business owners, and community members to submit an idea aimed at reducing the word gap and teaching caregivers to talk more to their children with the goal of improving language and literacy outcomes. I submitted a, a short essay and I said, I think that the, the bigger issue is that in U.S. society, we have this very serious language ideology problem. And the language ideology problem is if you are white and affluent, it's positive and productive for you to use and learn another language. Yay, you, applauso. But if you are brown and poor, learning or using another language is cultural baggage. And the fact is from a health standpoint, that language ideology is harmful to families who are culturally and linguistically diverse because it mediates how they talk to their children, which therefore impacts that child's school readiness once he or she starts kindergarten and therefore impacts that child's literacy gains. Hablame Bebe won the challenge. Melissa told us that her main goal for the app wasn't so much about the word gap. In case you're unfamiliar with the term, it refers to a construct dating back to the 90s that states that there is a gap in vocabulary in children from low socioeconomic backgrounds who may not have rich language interactions. Now, there's a lot of really uh, good debate right now in the literature on the construct of the word gap itself. But the, the main point is, is the fact that quantity and quality of words and interaction so strongly predict language acquisition, literacy, and academic success. And so Abnuebe aims to teach caregivers that and to do so in Spanish and to keep up their Spanish and maintain their Hispanic culture and pride. Um, and also uh, working with the government, the Learn the Science Act early developmental milestones are in their app so that caregivers can mark those off. And should their baby not be meeting those milestones, then they can reach out to somebody to, to prevent um, that risk of a delay later on. The, and what's nice about the app is the ubiquity of technology. It really lets, it, it helps deliver this health information because it is a health factor to families who might not have access to this information or access to a provider. But even when encouraged to speak to their children in Spanish or their minority language, 
parents may still feel concerned about their children falling behind in English. I would say that that is actually the number one concern that Hispanic parents or parents of another language have is my child needs English to succeed in school and in this country. My child needs English to be able to learn science and math, etc. But mom and dad, please don't stop because bilingualism is the greatest gift you can give your child cognitively, economically down the road, socially. I mean, we even see research that, that bilingualism has profound benefits later on in the lifespan. So it, it can delay the onset of Alzheimer's by an average of five years. In addition to, of course, helping your child get a much better job because of the fact that he or she speaks more than one language. Um, and research, meta-analyses, statistically significantly show that dual language acquisition will not delay a child in school. On the contrary, it only enhances that child's academic success. We see this in areas of executive functioning, in reasoning, in attention, in planning, and even in accepting others' differences. So um, we, we know that the children who are bilingual, they're, they're just more accepting when it comes to semantic ideas. Like, okay, I'm going to call this moon. All right, I can call it Luna as well. And that very much with young children relates to, okay, well, you know what? He's different from me, but that's okay. And we see that, that bilingual kids are, are better able to do that. So um, there are ways that you can still make sure your child has exposure to rich English as well, um, but keeping up your heritage language and most importantly, really promoting a proud bilingual identity yourself, that's the best thing you can do for your child. We asked Melissa if having a language-rich environment in one language that's native to the parent or caregiver can help children acquire another language. Yes, and there's there are tons of research and therefore evidence-based practices that we can do. And I, I would say to parents that It really depends on the type of language situation you have in your family. So let's say you are a family where both uh, parents speak the same language and it's the quote minority language. So if, if that is your situation, use that rich native minority language, so your heritage language, as much as you can at home. And as a family, you can also seek out rich English input opportunities for your child as well. One great place to do that is the public library, which is free. They have so many activities and reading circle and activities you could do and set up play dates, etc. There are ways to make sure that your child is also getting exposure to English. VPK is a great context too for families. Um, let's say that you are a family, um, and again, it can be two caregivers, a single parent, And you are a bilingual parent, so you speak both the minority and the majority language. Promote a proud bilingual identity with your child and show your child how important it is to use both languages. In the United States, young children are absolutely going to gravitate towards English. And so try to use the home language as much as possible. And reading really helps with that. And so in, in Abumabe in the app and also on the Abumabe Instagram account, we give lots of, of suggestions of activities that you can do. And then if you are a family, maybe you're English dominant, you speak here, what's the majority language, and you really would like to raise your child as bilingual. Um, 
it is absolutely possible. And so just as with the first recommendation, there are many things that you can do to promote language learning as a whole family goal. Um, so one of my favorite things to do is, of course, promote reading. Reading is essential for, and so vital for language learning. And there's, there's some wonderful empirical studies that support, even when it's not the parent's native language, just reading in the other language is so beneficial. Um, you could have nights where it's, it's fun and, and maybe your child can have a buzzer and anybody who switches to English gets buzzed. There's, there's lots of fun games that you can do to promote that. And again, it's promoting a positive learner identity. Now, um, you asked, and this, this might be deviating a little bit into research, but you asked about the role of non-native language input. And interestingly, there's, there's some incipient research that shows that it really depends. And I think that this is why connecting STEM and the humanities is so important. And I, I think, and we don't know yet. In fact, I'd love to brainstorm with you ladies on this later on. And I think bringing together researchers and parents could get down to this. But I think it's related to the language ideology problem we have in the United States. So some research that, that I have done here in, in Miami, um, Erica Hoff up in uh, Florida Atlantic, she does research, and then some other colleagues in speech pathology. So we see that when we look at language patterns, um, so let's say there's a Hispanic family using Spanish only, and the parents are really trying to maintain Spanish only in the home um, with, for example, very young children and toddlers, compared to an English-dominant family who really wants to promote bilingualism and is using Spanish more, even though that might not be their native language. We see that over time, there's differences in the way that the children respond. So the Hispanic child whose parents' first language might be Spanish, they tend to switch more and more to English. On the contrary, the um, Anglo native English speaking child, they tend to use more and more Spanish with their, for example, mom with the goal of learning Spanish together with the mom. So why is that? What's going on there? What is it that, you know, if, if you have two mothers who are speaking both non-native languages, um, for example, non-native English or non-native Spanish, why do we see that um, Anglo children tend to be more engaged in really working and trying to use and acquire Spanish as a second language? But we don't see those same patterns with Hispanic families, for example, where the child's really trying to use and stick to Spanish. And again, I think it has to do with the ideology. So children know and um, maybe have seen or experienced the way that certain very ignorant people in our society can react when a language other than English is spoken. Um, whether it's that, we're not sure. But what I will tell you is speak your maternal language, the language you're most comfortable in, and do not fear using a language that might not be native to you to promote a proud bilingual identity with your child. Research supports that. It's the best thing that you can do, and you can absolutely do it. This observation surprised us. I mentioned to Melissa that my daughter increasingly speaks English to me, even though we have a positive association with Spanish. You know that that's very, very normal, and that's okay. Um, and I think in your case, and of course with, with the scenario I described to you earlier, um, so data here in Miami, and also I did a year-long study at a, a 
well-known bilingual school that's public up in Washington, D.C. called Escuela Bilingüe Oyster. We saw the same things there even in a classroom context. And you can't, you know, divorce out um, socioeconomic status. That absolutely plays a role. I think um, with, with all families, it also has to get to a question of input. So in your daughter's case, I bet if you were to do a, a family language audit or a language audit of, of in a 24-hour period, her awake hours, what percentage of her awake hours are in actual Spanish productive use where she is using the language creatively and, and making meaning in, in the language? Um, and I will tell you, so this is anecdotal. We need more research on this, but it seems that the magic number might be 20%. And so one, one thing that I like to suggest to parents is if you can, whether you really want to get your child to, to keep speaking, so like heritage language context, Portuguese um, or Spanish or Haitian Creole, if you can try to get your child, so remember it's passive, um, so just listening, watching TV or listening to music, that's not the same as um, productive actual creative use, so where the child is speaking and playing and singing in the language. If you can make sure that 20% of those awake hours are in the productive use of that target language, that really, really helps to maintain communicative competence and proficiency in that language for your child. It's always interesting to, to look at those and see, okay, why, what, what percentage of the day are we actually using, you know, for example, um, English and Portuguese? And it, and it helps. We love the idea of auditing language usage at home. I've done an audit in our home with Zoe, and it helped me formulate a plan to give her exposure to Spanish now that she's in an English-only kindergarten program. It's hard for young children to have a day at school and come home and tell mom and dad about school when the day was all entirely in English. And so uh, one thing I tell parents is, how can we make it fun? So, so back to your point, Monica, number one, coming up with strategies to engage and help young children produce in the target language for heritage language maintenance. And then number two, finding out what community resources there are where children actually have to productively use Spanish. Raising a bilingual child is possible, but as you'll hear from Melissa, we can't ignore the role that social factors and identity play in outcomes. As I continue to do work in this area and um, I a lot of my work is, you know, and with, with just some amazing colleagues. So um, Dr. Ashley Darcy Mahoney, Dr. Natalie Brito, Dr. Ann Larson, we, we talk about what's called nutrición de lenguaje or language nutrition. It's a metaphor and it's actually um, kind of from a public campaign perspective. Um, they launched, it's called Talk With Me Baby. It's a program all throughout the state of Georgia under the Georgia Department of Health. So training the nurse workforce, which is the most trusted um, workforce in the nation, to talk to moms critically about talking to your baby and why and how that's so important and just talking to your baby as, as much as you can and that rich interaction. And as, as we continue this work and, and look at the effects of language interaction and in different languages and how to really promote and, and help each child reach their full potential. So much of it too is dependent on um, 
just a, a positive sociolinguistic identity. And by that, I mean really feeling proud to be Hispanic and proud to speak Spanish and um, being empowered to do, so, do that and do so in, in public spaces. And what does that mean for, for young children, for families? Um, and we can't have these conversations about early childhood and developmental language literacy health outcomes in, in young children without addressing like what I was talking about earlier, the, the harmful language ideology and unfortunate rhetoric that is going on in the United States about language use. Um, and it's, it's this real double um, figuration of Spanish where, um, you know, it's really positive. It's, it's, it's so interesting how uh, very affluent white families want all of their children to be in bilingual schools. And yet socio um, linguistic and second language acquisition research shows the way we become bilingual is by engaging in conversational interaction with speakers of those languages. And so if, if that can't be happening in public spaces in our country, then, then we have a problem there. Um, and so before really getting to health and, and language and developmental milestone meeting, et cetera, we also need to be talking about social factors. And so I think if, if the main message I could, I could say today would be it absolutely is possible to raise your child as bilingual. Even if you don't speak that second language, you can learn to mom and dad and caregiver. Um, and let's also address being proud to be Hispanic and speak Spanish or what other language you speak and really promote positive uh, sociolinguistic identities because that I'm finding in my research significantly affects language outcomes is that identity factor. Thank you so much to Melissa Baralt for speaking with us. You can find more information about her work in Hablame Bebe at hablamebebe.org. We'd love to hear how you create a language-rich environment for your child. Join us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Entre Dos Podcasts. And if you haven't yet, please rate and review us and help us spread the word about Entre Dos. Hasta la próxima. Nos vemos. Nos vemos.